0: Good. It's good to see you. Hey, so uh, today is our day. We're going to celebrate our youth and that they've just returned home from campus. And just giving you a heads up. They're going to have some opportunity for our, our youth to share and to speak this morning. Then Timothy and the times left over is going to share his heart with us this morning. So excited about that. But before we do that, if you could take the baskets you passed on earlier for in which you took out your connect cards and let's uh, pass it back down for an offering this morning, I want you to know basically the, the offering, the special offering took up last week for our youth, basically almost just a few dollars short of basically the penny paid for all the scholarships that we paid out. And all of our expenses, and so that just that was god 's graciousness and thank you for your faithfulness in giving and so fill a, fill a connect card, make sure you put that into the basket, and I will shoot you an email some I think I finally caught up this week, I was about three weeks behind, so I apologize if you're thinking I'm a slacker you're right so um, but anyway i'll get to I'll get you an email sometime this week, maybe next week, depending on schedules and uh... Say thanks for being here. So, with that, uh, we're going to jump right in. So, let me go ahead and get all the youth who we're going to share and go ahead and come up. And then, Timothy, you can go ahead and come and uh, just take over for the morning, and uh, and we'll go from there. Am I, have I taken over yet? Yes, yeah, you just covered Oh, nice. Is it, is it on? Yep.
1: Nope. Nope. All right, up. well, I'll talk loud for now, then. Yeah, hey, it's on. All right. Oh, they, <laughs> I'm taking over. How about that? Um, so Steve was saying we just got back from summer camp, and um, the Sunday before we left, we all came up and you prayed for us, and we talked about we were we were expecting the Lord to do just stuff, whatever. We had four categories of prayer, you know, personal in our group, youth group at Vintage as a as a unit, at, and the camp as a whole, and then stuff to bring back, and. Steve encouraged me, you know, grab some, grab some students, even leaders, if they have testimonies, if they have something that they saw that was definitely the Lord at work, then we want to hear about it. And I want, I want to tell you that the Lord was definitely at work um, in, a, in a big way, not in like a small youth-sized way, but in like a change-your-life, redefine-you kind of way. So we have uh, a, several of our students and uh, even a few of our leaders who would like to share what the Lord did either in them or what they saw the Lord doing in others. So we'll just start down there with Ashley and kind of make our way this way. And before you share, make sure you say your name.
0: Ashley, you ready? Are you nervous at all? You should be really nervous. Okay. Hi,
2: I'm Ashley Gillum. I'm a leader at the youth. Um, And one of the things I really noticed that the Lord was doing in the youth this week was that he was taking these simple truths that we hear, you know, from the time we're in, you know, pre-K or whatever. And he was making them become a heart reality in their lives. And my prayer going into this youth camp was Ephesians one seventeen through 19, that he would open up the eyes of their understanding. And I really felt like that was happening this week, that the eyes of their understanding were enlightened. And they were like, oh, Jesus really did die for me and it was that aha moment that, you know, we, we look for in our lives and we are able, I personally was able to see it in some of the youth as they're going, Oh wow, this is real. Salvation is a real thing. I really have to give my life to the Lord. So that was an awesome thing, an awesome testimony that we saw, a big deal. And I just want to exhort us as a vintage community to be praying for these youth to really rally around them and be praying that these seeds that were planted in their hearts, that they would begin to grow even more so.
3: Hello, my name is Tyler Dameron. I'm also a leader in the youth. And, uh, well, Ashley kind of said a lot of what I was going to say, but after they had that aha moment, the big thing for me was kind of getting a huge glimpse of heaven when you see around 200 and like 250, is it two, 360, 360. all right. (laughs) hundred off. Three hundred and sixty kids like on their face worshiping God, crying, sobbing, and you're just sitting back and you see all of this and you're like this this is as close to heaven as like I have ever been. Like this is what it's gonna be like in worship. And it was just amazing watching them pray for each other and take roles. Like I mean, they're taking our jobs. Like we're sitting there and these kids are praying for each other to just for God to show love to each other, and we're sitting back just watching them. Like, you know, what are we supposed to do now? So it was just amazing watching these kids take leader roles and and just God just taking complete control of their lives.
4: Um, hey everyone, my name is Zach Simmons, and uh, I was in tenth grade, at the tenth grade boys' cabin, and um, while at camp this past week, God really revealed like a large problem that's in my heart and it was just being like judgmental and kind of just unforgiving and um I guess it just all was revealed like my attitude towards others like I've never really liked going to camp like I've had really kind of just like some bad experiences like I've got beaten up at camp and uh and um so just bad experiences I ended up just secluding myself and uh That self-pity turned uh, into, like, anger and just irritability. And um, last week, I was really tested, like, just emotionally through my fellow, like, roommates. I mean, their little pillow fights and giggling into, like, the early morning got old very fast. And, uh, yeah, and um, just Wednesday night, I was just going after God, and I wasn't really getting anywhere. I wasn't making any headway, and, like, it angered me, and I saw other people just... You know making progress so I just kind of like gave up and I started looking around and I saw kind of like their ringleader Just going after God and he was like just worshiping like at his feet And it was that's like when it hit me. That was the aha moment and I was just like He's both of our fathers. I mean, we're just those two like rival siblings that just don't get along But we still love each other and we're all connected through uh, our heavenly father and just going back to that cabin that night, I was just able to like look at it in a new light and see everyone and who they really are and who they are to God. Not just me, because I mean, I'm just nothing compared to Him. So who am I to judge Him? But that's really it.
5: I'm Josh Cox. Um, this weekend in and uh, God did a lot of amazing things. Every day, He brought some, something new. Um, one of the things He did was getting me out of my comfort zone. Uh, I'm naturally real Esha, so it's really kind of hard for me to do the, this is, as well. And um, one of the things was um, the speaker, of March Fripp. Richmond told uh, someone to come up and um, uh, say the verse, which was Mark 115, and nobody else raised their hand. God was like, nobody else has raised your hand. You know the verse. Get up there. <laughs> and so I did it. And And um, another thing, which was kind of, like an aha moment was um, at the hoedown on Thursday night. Um, I had it in my, my mind that um, I was raised in the South, but I, I was not into the country stuff. Um, so I was about to, even God was like, "What? No, you're gonna, you're gonna stay." You see those three girls over there that just came in are looking really lost go over there get into the circle and dance <laughs> and I had a lot of fun and then when I was going up to the cabin later there there was like a freak storm that we didn't really you know about and there were like branches everyone was like if I had gone up there at that time back to my cabin I might have died or, like, been really hurt. So that was pretty amazing. Now, um, one other thing was um, the 12th grade boys ca- have been partially led by Timothy Parker.
1: Led is not the word. Holding on
5: for dear life
1: is the word.
5: After... Just six days, we had incredible unity in the group. Wrestling really helps. You can ask Timothy about that.
1: And shows your utter dominance.
5: <laughs> um, I realized, like, at our high school that there are a lot of guys that are, like, really just curse a lot and are really object on to win. But these guys, they're talking about being pure and, like, talking about the woman that they want to marry when they get older. And one of the boys was talking about, like, his struggles with temptation, and he mentioned a voice, uh, a a verse, (laughs) that really helped him, and... First Corinthians ten thirteen. The temptation in your life are no different than from what others are experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And I was like, wow. <laughs> One of the things he really did me emotionally was Monday morning in the prayer room. He just really just poured out his grace to me. He showed me how much you love me. That wasn't the first time I cried that week. And afterwards, I felt such great joy, and it was the beginning of the week, and I, after the week was a, over every single little part of my life that was broken and hurting, God had spoken unto. So.
1: Now, I have, to, I have to clarify something for Josh, because he didn't want to draw a lot of attention to himself, but... The, the night they were talking about when Mark asked for this verse to be read, we, uh, the verse for our camp uh, that Mark was really sort of centering on was Mark 115. And, you know, he stood up and he's like, what what verse do you think we're going to be talking about tonight? Every, of course, you know, all these 300 and some odd kids were like, Mark 115. And he's like, oh, you're awesome. Y'all get it. Who can say it right now? And it was like, shh. And like four or five seconds passed. And sure enough, I see Josh Cox walking up there like the man. I was like, Go ahead and do it, Josh. And I was like, man, what if, I wonder if he really knows it or if he's just being, like, bold. And he goes up there, and the ver, you know, as he's saying it, they put the verse on the screen. And I'm not joking, word for word, he shows them what is up. And everybody's like, I, I don't think anybody else really cheered, but I was like, Josh, Cog. Everybody was kind of like, who is that dude? What is going on? So so it was it was awesome. Um, go ahead, Sheldon. Oh, and I have to preface this, too. Shelby gets maybe tied for the award with the most popular person at camp. Anytime I saw her, I'm not joking, it was like a mother goose with like 55 little girls behind her. It was amazing. Like, I don't think I ever saw her with less than like six high school girls just trailing behind. Like, oh, where's Shelby going? What is Shelby doing? So she's not going to say that, but I just wanted you to know that. (laughs)
6: Um, Yeah, I wasn't going to say that. So... Tyler literally took the words right out of my mouth. The just amazing moment for me was when we were, I'm going to try really hard not to cry. Cry, When we were like, oh my gosh. We were worshiping and I see these kids like praying for each other. And it was just like, I can't talk. It was just amazing. Like I can't even describe it. I can't. <laughs> it was, um, and like, seeing these kids, like, wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning to come to the prayer room, like, at least half of our kids, I think, showed up, which is just like, like, I didn't want to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go. But, like, I had Delaney and Gracie who aren't here right now. They were in my cabin, and they were like, okay, wake me up. I was like, I'm not going to leave them hanging. Like, I'm not going to not wake them up to go pray, you know. So they were just kind of like, even an influence on me, and it was just amazing to see these kids in there. Like, I wish I could have brought the prayer room back with me. It was just, like, God was so there. Like, I can't even describe it. And just seeing them just on their face praying to God just to come show himself, it was, like, I I wish I could describe it even better, but I just, I can't. It was awesome.
7: All right, I am... Uh, Maddie, and I uh, was in the 12th grade girls' cabin. And I think one thing that I do before anything, before a mission trip, before camp, is I kind of, um, because of the stories of God moving supernaturally, like people getting healed and seeing visions, like because those are so amazing, um, I think I just go into it expecting that. And so, in a way, I tend to discredit the fact that the Lord speaks in the quiet moments and th- those are just as important and those can change your life just as much. And so that was my testimony from camp. Um so I uh found myself in the prayer room and I wanted to take it back too. Um and I ended up reading Ephesians one, four through six, and I don't know how I ended up there. Um I hadn't someone hadn't told me to read Ephesians. I wasn't previously reading Ephesians, but I ended up at Ephesians 1 4 through 6, um, which says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Uh, So, one of the focuses of camp was what is my calling? What has God chosen me to do? What's my purpose? And um, it it was just the fact that, like, while we were children of wrath, which Timothy talked about in his, his teaching impact group from Ephesians 2, 3, that this holy God, which we can't even comprehend his holiness because we're so unholy, he chose us. Like, that should wreck us. That should change us. Like, the fact that he chose us while we were nothing, we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, like we were so utterly sinful and unholy, and yet this perfect holy God chose us. And and then it just hit me that like he didn't just choose me for my calling, which he did. He didn't just choose me to, you know, be the daughter of Lori and Scott. He didn't just choose me to be the wife of some husband I don't know yet, but he chose me for Revelations twenty two, four through five, which says They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and they will reign forever and ever. So uh, that's what he chose us for. He chose us to see his face for all eternity. And I know that that sounds, because even just hearing myself say it, like that can sound so typical, like yeah, we'll get to see his face, and we'll get to reign in eternity, and heaven's awesome, but, like, that fact that we get to see his face for eternity, and that's what he chose us for, I just, like, went through my heart in the prayer room and just, like, completely changed my life. Because when you have that focus that, like, God didn't choose me for this. He did, and he has such a purpose in this, and there's a purpose for me, you know, being a daughter and you know future wife and you know calling whatever that is but like the fact that that's ultimately not what I was chosen for but I was chosen to see his face for all eternity and then when I get there and I see his face I'm going to see the scars on his hands and in his side and I'm going to realize that's why I'm here like he chose me to see his face not because I did anything but because he did because he's holy and so I uh, there's there's a bunch of stories, and I could go on and on, and so, but I think a lot of the stories I have are very personal. I mean, I did a SOZO, which is one of Riverstone's ministries, and just about healing and things like that, but I thought that was one of the things that was most impactful to me, and is something that I think can change everyone, because it's so pivotal that, like, he chose us, and he chose us to see his face, so...
1: Thank you so much, you guys. And that, and that's, let's see, one, two, three students and three leaders. And believe it or not, it's hard to get high school and middle school students to come to a nine o'clock service. So there are actually even more testimonies than just that. I don't know which one. I'm going to use this one. I'm going to freak you all out because I'm actually not going to sit on the stool. I know that's going to be disconcerting for some. So as I was thinking about this, I really kind of wrestled through and Steve gave me some ideas of, of kind of how to, how to process through this, how to kind of share sort of my camp experience or share something that would still be faithful to what what, what God is doing in the in youth and and what uh, he did at camp but, but would also still sort of connect with everyone here and it was and I sort of had this idea because Mark Fritchman, who was the camp speaker, had had this quote, and he said if If the ministry, to keep the ministry of Jesus from becoming a memory, it has to become a movement. And that's really good. And I was like, oh, man, that's so powerful. I would love to talk about the ministry of Jesus in our life becoming a movement so just a memory that we set up some tent around and try to camp around. And even if it's fading away, we're trying to sustain it by our own power and come up with some program to sustain it. And I just, I mean, I even had like six M's to go with it. It was awesome. And maybe I'll talk about it someday. But that just... It wasn't connecting with my heart. I didn't feel like it was really... I mean, he, even hearing the testimonies and actually, actually Maddie basically shared a lot of, of, of what I'm going to share from my sort of personal deal here. Um, it, it just wasn't there. And then I was thinking, okay, well, well the movement of Jesus, the, the ministry of Jesus is primarily one of love. In love, he, he you know, as, as Maddie said, in love, he predestined us. In love, he's conforming us to his image. In love, he came and he saved us. And In love, he's, he's bringing us home. And I... And that's good, but it's still, something was just not, you know, whatever that means, it wasn't that. And, it, and I, I just, I couldn't connect with it. And so then I started, I began to think about, actually, I did what, what are called teaching impact groups, uh, Maddie me, and, and really all it is, is they have four different sessions, and uh, different grade levels go to different ones on different days, and um, surprisingly enough, you know, I prepared mine before I went, and then I started sharing it, and it was amazing to see the way Mark Fritchman, the camp speaker, who I'm sure probably some of y'all actually know, um, the, his talks, that he had four talks, and they literally, section by section, matched up with what I was saying point by point. It was pretty incredible the way he, the, the Lord was sort of confirming, because I saw mine as sort of a foundation to the theme of the camp was Thrive. And I saw my, uh, I saw my talk sort of the foundation for thriving. The other people were talking about purity and relationships and going on mission or going on mission trips either, uh, locally or foreign. Uh, and, and, then there was another one about sort of a practical discipleship led by one of the, the new associate pastor at Stonebridge. And, and even as I was thinking through that, like, I was like, okay, these sort of topical, sort of niche talk, they're just not working. Like, my heart isn't connecting with them. And the Lord was just like, then, then go and, and just lay a foundation. You know, tell them about me. Tell them about what I'm like. Tell them about what I've done. Tell them about how much they need to know me in order to be sustained and thrive. Um, and it was incredible. And, and so there are, there, um, I think it's four or five, five things that I realized that I never need to do again. From this camp, there, there are five things I realized I never need to do again. Um. But first, before I do that, is it cool if I pray? Can I pray? Okay, sweet. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't do this a lot, so anyway, I'm, I'm going to pray for us, and actually, I'm going to pray for the people who share testimonies. So, let's uh, let's go for it. Before I even start, though, I, I want to throw this out there: that when I say I'm going to pray, I don't mean we're going to bow our heads and I'm going to talk. I mean that we're going to bow our heads and. And we're all going to ask God to, to do something here, even in the short time we have left. We're going to ask God to even, as, as these five had, to, to give us testimony this morning. So as I'm, as I'm praying, I want you to pray for your own heart too. So Jesus, we need you. We need you so much. We need you to be as active in our lives now as, as weeks set apart for seeking you. We need your activity every son, every day. So we pray, Father, that you would come stir us by way of reminder, by the Holy Spirit, to lift up your son for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so as Maddie kind of touched on, I did this teaching impact group, and I kind of went through this passage in Ephesians. And as I was going through this, I was like, oh, this is for the students. I'm just kind of giving and, you know, trying to be here for them and be faithful to what the Lord is saying it, the Lord blew me away. Parents were coming and picking up their students on Friday afternoon, and they were, How'd it go? How'd it go? And the and the only thing I said was, I was blown away. Because I, I legitimately I had I was excited. I had a lot of expectation leading up to this. But I wasn't ready for what happened. Um I mean the things I mean, this is just a, a snapshot of what was going on in our group as a whole. One, one of the things, before I actually even get into it, one of the things that I saw, this is, I'm not sure when the you know how long it's been since you were in middle school or high school, but the students that age are not typically the most inclusive. They're not, they're not ones who, who go out of their way to bring who, people who aren't like them, don't talk like them, don't look like them, don't go to the same school, don't participate in the same, they're not, they don't go out of their ways to bring them in. And our students did that, and no one told them to. I wasn't like, hey, make sure you do this. There wasn't a time when I could walk around when we didn't have assigned stuff to do when I could find less than it, than 10 of our students together. No one told them to do that. No one told them to care for each other and pray for each other and minister to each other, to, to be together in actual, real community. No one told them. I didn't tell them to do that. What 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 explanation is there... That, for that other than, than the love of God beginning to move in them, um, and so I just want to read this passage because this is there. There are, I think five key points that really the Lord kind of brought out for me. So I want to read uh, Ephesians one sixteen through two ten. It's kind of large, but we can do it. Um, so it says, "I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit." of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you to. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. According to the working of his great might. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named. Not only in this age but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. And gave him as head over all things of the church, which is his body, and the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in, the, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the first thing that the Lord showed me and just completely blew me away is I I need to never stop expecting encounters. I need to never stop expecting Jesus to show up and do things that only he can do. I mean, Paul prays, he, I, I pray that he would give you a spirit, an actual active understanding, not, not knowledge, not facts, not a good sermon, not good, but a spirit, a real active heart level, unifying head and heart understanding of what he's doing. An experiential, tangible reality, wisdom and knowledge, breaking in to show you Jesus. And that was his prayer. And I realized I think I think sometimes I I I forget this. I think I forget it for our students. Like I'm I'm I came back, I was happy that no one died. I was happy that no one got seriously injured. I was happy that everybody was on the bus when we came back. You know, like those were my big checklist thing. You know, and and to a certain degree, I'm sure everybody appreciates that that their son or daughter didn't get left in Covington, Georgia, or at the Chick fil A in Covington, Georgia. But but I think sometimes in in the practical parts we get sort of bogged down, and that's what the Lord. One of the things the Lord really showed me is like Jesus. One of the first thing he said, first things he taught his disciples, you need to be poor in spirit. "...to inherit the kingdom of heaven." And this isn't talking about poverty, like, I don't have a lot of stuff. He's saying you need to recognize that when it comes to spiritual things, you have no power to do anything in and of yourself. He actually told some people that that flesh profits nothing, and that only the Spirit can give life. And that was something the Lord really gripped me with before this, is if we just go and we hear words and we sing songs and have fun activities, this is worthless, like, a lot of people just paid a lot of money for nothing. Like, you can stay home and do a lot of the stuff we did. They can come to church. Right? We can open our, but we can do whatever. But if the Spirit of God doesn't breathe life into our hearts, then it's, it's worthless. It's worthless. And, and so, forgive me, everybody else, but I want to, I think everybody's right here, but I want to talk to the students who came and tell you that, that it's not different now. It's not different. I can I understand the sentiment of wanting to take the prayer, hall, prayer room with us, but the only reason the prayer room was special is because we met with God. And you could do that, you can do that in your kitchen, you can do that in that corner, you can do that during ministry time, you can do that in the hall when you're walking between classes. You can do that because we want a spirit of wisdom and revelation to breathe on our hearts and open the eyes of our understanding that we would actually get, that we would actually know and fellowship with Jesus. And that doesn't stop when we get on the bus and leave the FFA campground. It doesn't stop when you step out of a prayer room. That's a promise that's open to us all the time. And, okay, so I'm done with that. Um, and, and another thing, he showed me that, it, that this whole access of church and spiritual life and, and all that it, it doesn't revolve around me. It's kind of similar to what Zach was saying. Um, in verse 22, you know, it says, is, And Jesus is the head of the church. And the church is made up of a lot of people, a lot of whom I just don't really get along with, if I'm, if I'm honest. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of whom who have who, hurt me, offended me. You know, we Personalities just don't match it, whatever it is. And, and Jesus showed me that, that that's not what it's about. Primarily, church is not about my comfort. It's not about me having resources to be able to do stuff. It's not about about what I'm getting out of the equation. He showed me that that being in community with others is marked primarily by two things. Humility and sacrifice. Humility and sacrifice. Humility to consider others better than yourself and sacrifice to that greater love has no man than this. He who would lay down his life for his brothers. So so he he began to show me that it's not it's, I'm not we're not in a bubble like even even our youth isn't in a bubble like if we're looking at vintage as a family then all of the students those students are, are all of our kids. They're they're all of our students. They're all part of our family. We are uh, there's no one really less responsible or more responsible in terms of us for making sure that they have a good foundation to stand on. This is our deal. And, and he just began to, he, he began to show me. He, and I had this. I began to have this, 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 this feeling. I, I really don't know how to describe it. I'm sure a lot of parents can. It's kind of around there. But I began to see our students as mine. Like, they're, they're mine. And I began to realize that he didn't just save me and save them and we're kind of apart. But that we're together in some mysterious way. And I would see them walking around and something would, I I was in a cabin with senior guys. And so I kind of had a responsibility for them. I would drop them in a second if I saw one of our students. I don't know if that's right or wrong or or what, but that's just what happened. I began, when I would walk around services and I would see anything going on with any of our students, I had to be there. I, I had to be a part of it. I had to, if I couldn't go up to them, I had to find them afterwards and talk. And what was God doing? If you know, the guys that were in my cabin, I preferred them over pretty much everybody else. Sorry, other 12th grade guys. Um, and so I began to, I, I really, the Lord began to pull back this thing of, of of being low and really actually committing to sacrifice to show the love of Christ to those around me. Um, primarily for me, our students, and, and I realize that there's a, there's a hindrance to this. I think for for uh, for in and youth, and, but I think for all of us, I think this is a good thing. The hindrance to the the loving service and humility and sacrifice is pride. Is pride? We think we deserve something. We think we're higher up, better up, than, than, and we don't need to. That's not a need that we're really responsible for meeting. And it says, and it says, He that Jesus is the head over all things. So Jesus is the Lord over all things. He's the one that fills all and all. He is supplying everything we. He is giving us both identity. Then I, I look at Josh, or I look at Zach, or I look at Taylor, or Shelby, or Tyler, or Ashley, and I'm, my primary responsibility is to lay down my life in service to them. And it was just, it was, it was, it really began to mess with like unforgiveness and bitterness and anger that, that I had just by actually seeing it because our students did a great job of it. They lived it out practically. It was, it was incredible. I mean, and another thing, and Matt, Maddie kind of touched on this, and, and that's, I never need to forget what He's done for us. Like never. How many times in the Old Testament do you have God reminding the children, of Israel, remember Egypt and what I did, remember Egypt and what I did, remember Egypt and, and what I did, you know, you get this in, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. of We were dead and children of wrath, but, but God came in being rich in mercy and full of steadfast love. And that's such an old thing, and it's not really all that glamorous. It's not really, you know, that there's no real steps to that, to better life or better this or more effective that. But that's what's changing our students' lives. I'm serious. That, that, that simple but deep message of you were worse off than you ever could have imagined, but God is better than you ever dared to believe. That is what's changing our students' lives. It's what and, and I think they, they get this, because I'm gonna tell a story to kind of illustrate this. And so Jesus was invited to a dinner party. Okay? And he goes, and if this is sort of the dinner table, he's, he's sitting here, and you know, the, the head religious guy and the is the that kind of invites him, and the plan is to sort of trick Jesus. And uh, somewhere probably back there, kind of sort of off out of the way, this, the door opens, and this, this woman comes in. Everybody, they, they know her. Jesus doesn't really pay her much attention. She comes in, and she begins to position herself at Jesus' feet and hold his dirty filthy, mud-caked, Galilean peasant feet in her hand and weep on them. I'm talking about not pretty cry, not single tear, that was cute, I saw you know, some emotional movie cry. I'm talking about you know, the kind of cry where hair sticks to your face and snot comes at that kind of cry. I'm talking about this, the cry that our students are very familiar with after a week of doing it sh- you know, for every night straight. Um, and they're like, oh my gosh, why, why is he letting her... Touch him. And, and this guy kind of leans back the head guy and says, If he were who he says he was, he would not let her do that. She's a prostitute. And Jesus kind of perceives what's going on. He says, Let me ask you a question. Who, who, who out of these two guys would, would feel the best? If one guy had a debt of $5,000 and one guy, guy had a debt of $50 million and they were both forgiven of their debts, which two, which, which one of those guys do you think would, would, would be more thankful? And they oh, that, pff, that's easy, the guy with 50 million. And you're like, oh, you're exactly right. I'm telling you, this woman loves much because she has been forgiven much. And our, our students are getting that. They're getting that, that they're the woman. And more importantly, they're getting that in their families, in their schools, in their circles of influence, there are those kind of people who feel like they're that woman everywhere. And it's changing their lives. They're realizing that, that what he did for us is inexhaustibly good. It's becoming the foundation which the, their lives turn on. Like I'm really convinced that some of these, and let me, let me say this first. You know, you know the statistics for student ministry? That, that 45%, almost half of our students, if we just take vintage, 45% of our students, by the time they're done with their freshman year of college, are going to turn away and never come back to Jesus ever again? 45%. 45, that's almost half. I'm not, I don't know how y'all feel, I'm not okay with that. And this is the message that I really believe is going to make these kids a, a sign and a wonder in their generation. It's going to make them completely different because they have completely convinced of Jesus' goodness. They're completely convinced of his intent to restore all things and be the head over all things by his rich mercy and by his loving kindness. And they're beginning to get this by grace through faith I've been saved. And they're and they're, they're beginning to stop working for it and start resting in it. And it's, and it's becoming, instead of Jesus who saved me so that I work real hard to make him not angry, he's, he's becoming the Jesus that saved him and I love him so much that I can't stop serving him. I couldn't stop if I tried because he 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 pulled me out of the pit. I couldn't stop if I if I tried because my life is marked with a love that came and rescued me.
0: I'm move this down.
1: And that's and that's the that, that's what's changing their, their lives. Um third thing I never need to lose hope. I and I think sometimes, and not in a hopeless sense, but a sense of hope stops becoming an eager expectation of something coming and starts becoming, a oh, that would be nice. Like, oh, I I hope so. Oh, you're sick, you want to be healed? Man, I hope so. You, you lost your job and you need me to pray with you? Oh, I hope so. Your family is falling apart and you need God to miraculously intervene? Oh, I hope so. Your, your, your child has ran away, left never to return. You and to pray with you that God would change her. heart? Oh, I, I hope so. And somehow along the way it comes from this thing of, I know that I know that God has done something great and is doing something great. And right now he will do something great too. I, I hope so. And it's more of like a little wish thrown out that, that evaporates as soon as it leaves our mouth than an actual heart reality. And I, I, I think what it is is we, we don't, for students and for us, we don't really ground our hope in, in, in what God has done and what he will do so that it gives us hope for what he is doing. And Maddie kind of touched on this, and this is stunning. Like, he saved us so that in, and it says it right here, so that in the coming ages he will display the riches of his loving kindness for all ages to come. And this is just this is long way down the road hope. This is the hope that I'm gonna that I'm gonna pastor our students in when they say, My life is falling apart, and I've got nothing right now. And this is what we start with. And, and what what I what I take this to mean is that in coming ages, he's gonna take even the students advantage, and he's going to gather the church advantage in the palm of his hand, and he's gonna lift us up when all this is concluded, and all this is wrapped up, and he's gonna hold us up and say, Look what I've done. Look at my mercy, look at my patience, look at my kindness, look at my goodness, look at how good I am. Look at, in the lives of my people, in a tangible way, how, how good I am, how patient I am, how merciful I am. Look at my love displayed. In all, all the angelic order and all the other saints from eternity, or not eternity, but a long time past, they're going to say, oh, I get it, he's good. He's going to, ah, he's kind. I, re- I remember that even way before, way after they were, I had struggles like them, and it was God who sustained me, and he is one, the one worthy of worship. And, but the great thing is that hope that we're called to way down the road is hope that is bursting in now. It says we have, he has uh, saved us for good works, preparing in advance for us to do And And they, I think it was Maddie, or yeah, it was Maddie who kind of talked about this, that, that a lot of camp turned on this idea of purpose and calling, and I saw, in, in two days even, kids go from just kind of walking around doing, the, doing their thing of, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm here, it's cool, whatever, to God revealed good works he had set out in advance for them to do, and it changed them. On, I mean, 180 degrees from like, oh yeah, I guess Jesus is cool, I mean, I love him or whatever, to like, Jesus, I need you now to break, because I recognize that you have called me to do things that I can't do on my own. And I think that, that really, because I'm, not, I'm under no illusions about this. I know that kids, even in our church, come back to situations that are horrible. Like they come back to families that are falling apart. They come back to situations at school or with friends that have them hanging on with like, fingernails. I'm sure for in this room, you, if, I, if I say never lose hope, you're like lost. Done. I'm hopeless. Thanks, though. And, and one thing I realized is, as I saw students freed from different sort of afflictions, I saw physical healings, I saw spiritual things healed, and emotional things. I realized there's there's no pit so deep that Christ is not deeper still. He is. He is deep. His His affections are deep enough to drown out and swallow up sorrows of this life. I'm not saying they won't be there. I'm saying that, that when we enter into fellowship with him and he stuns us with hope in the future and calls us to hope in the present, that he'll be, he'll be with us. And our students are realizing that he is with them. And, it, and it's starting to this generate this mark. But I, I don't even know the statistics of how many people under the age of 18 are on antidepressants. But it's like 150% more than it was in 1950. So this, this generation that is beginning to be you know, marked by hopelessness and lost hope and hope deferred, which is making their hearts sick. They're beginning to see the goodness and glory of God, and it's causing them to be shining lights of hope. Have it, have it in their own heart and to the people around them. And that's something that I think we could really use. Even here, talking about, you know, Steve said that there's this energy, there's this something that just comes back and there's sort of this transfer when we, you know, when we get back from camp. We, everyone needs this. I mean, if the three things that remain are faith, hope, and love, we need hope, right? Like we need this hope that the pit isn't so deep and the blackness that has us surrounded and whatever you're locked in or chained to or enslaved by, that, that the love and power and mercy of Christ is good to have to break it and set you off into good works provided by His grace. Like we need that. I, I need that. So I, I need to never lose hope. And and finally, I need to never forget that we have work to do. Like he has called us to good works. And I think most of those good works happen out there. Most of those, the display of God's glorious goodness and his works towards us happen out there. So I need to never lose sense of of the the work that he's done, the power of his love, the hope he's called us to, is primarily on display six days of the week out there. And it's great to come celebrate here. Don't you? It's awesome. But it's deficient if it's not shining brightly outside of these walls. It's deficient. It's small. It's lacking. If when we get in circles where people don't primarily speak Christian language and and have Christian socio or socioeconomic principles or social values or norms or whatever, like if it's not on display there, then it's I doubt it's really on display here. And I realize like when I shrink back at at work from from people who are who are uh, um, beginning to to draw to display what is the opposite of where we are like. If I'm not shining brightly there, then the light probably isn't too bright in the first place. So I, I realize he, he, has, he has work for us to do. And so I, I, I think that as much as great as it is for God to birth testimony in our students, I think he really does want to birth testimony in all of us. Because in this letter of Ephesians, Paul lays out these sort of primary things that he showed us and he did in us at camp that I think you know, Paul is laying this as a foundation for church. You know, the next time we hear about the church of Ephesus in Scripture, the next time that we hear the church of Ephesus addressed, it's by Jesus in Revelation 2. He says, I know your good works. I know your patient endurance. I know you've tested those who claim to be apostles and are false. I know you are bearing up for my namesake. But nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And, so I, and I think the reason I phrase these as never are because when these become things that are negotiable, we slide into And I know every parent has taught me, I don't want my kid to do the summer slump of come, come home from camp, oh, back to where they were. Come home from camp, back to where they were. High, low, mountaintop, valley. And, but I think that's, we, we all get that. It might not be summer camp, but it might be a, a good Sunday service. Might be a men's retreat or a women's retreat or a small group time. We all get that. I think what we see here is from the movement of Ephesians here to the movement when they when they address that, that we have a natural tendency for our affections to cool off. And when when remembering what He's done for us and, and hope and the work He has called us to become negotiable things, then our, then our love gets cool and Jesus becomes less of a king to be served than a guy to be talked about, and the gospel becomes less of a message radiating with hope that can transform our community, and more of a set of principles that people just have to assent to, and then they can go be part of our club. So I just, I, I just ask you have, you, have you lost hope? Do you need God to birth hope in your heart? Have you, have you lost sight of what he's done? Your affections cooling off a little bit? Have you forgot that He's called us to good works and become so ingrown that you can't even name one person you know who's not a Christian? Your love for the lost is, is very little. I mean, if if, if so, then, I mean, why, why not? Why not have a testimony of you know, we we could all stand up and say, I was like this and God did this. And have you have you stopped expecting encounter, Have you stopped expecting God to show up? And Sunday is just a time where you expect to hear good music and. And, and critique a sermon. And it's, it's less of a time to actually encounter the, liver, the living and risen God. Because that, that was corrected. I saw it in the hearts of our students. So I just, I, I just ask you, are, are these things that are nevers for you? Of Never stop expecting encounter. Never forget it's not about me. Never forget what he's done. Never lose hope. And never forget that we have work to do. Or are these things that are just like, yeah, I hope so. In my, in my prayer for our students, these would become firm nevers, and that for us there would be things, there would be tracks for us to roll on as we progress forward. So my prayer is that the real work that you heard about this morning that God is doing in our students would, would bleed out to all of us, and we a church that expect, expects encounter, and remembers what he, what he's done, and serve each other lovingly and sacrificially. That we would never lose hope. And it would be a church that's always moving out because we do have work to do. So I get it. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm not a professional. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: well, let's do this this morning uh, just to end. Um, we will have a time of ministry, but I'd like to do this, Timothy and, and youth. I would love to... I think we probably have enough leaders with youth that I would love to have you guys kind of lined up here just to pray for anyone for ministry time. So that's kind of out of the comfort zone, maybe a little out of the box. And so if you're a youth, grab a, uh, a leader. Um there aren't enough leaders, we have a ministry team that are here, so you could get with David and Elaine maybe. And so you'll go ahead and come forward, get up here, we'll have a time of ministry and um, and so, uh, let's just do this for our time to, to end. Obviously, as we always do. If you need to leave, guys, have a great week. We love you. If you'd like to stay for a time of ministry, Nate will be here. He'll lead us in worship. But I want to encourage you in this, just in this message uh, uh, that that these nevers that Timothy is talking about, there are some of these that are probably landing with you. Uh, I'm sitting here, I'm t- taking notes on my phone. If you saw me, I was not texting. I was taking notes on my phone because I was I was challenged by the message. And I hope all of you are. There's nothing more powerful to me than being challenged by someone who's half my age. There's something humbling in that. And it should humble us. And that's why I wanted to invite the, these youth to come and to and to pray because my, the question is, are we, can we receive from those who were younger than us. Joel does a prophecy about that. The young men shall dream dreams, a sense of God moving through them. Paul speaks to Timothy and says, Don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth. Right? There's this understanding that those who are younger have the ability to speak into those who are older. And they've done that today. And so, so if you want to come, forward, we'll have... Um, y'all kind of spread out this little bit so people can get to the... Um, to communion. They're going to take communion today. That will be available here in the front also. But let me pray for us. Then Nate will lead us, and you come as you feel led. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the, this, the word from our youth and the word from, from Timothy and Jesus. We want to be a people, God of hope, a people of light, God a people who who are able to express you because we know you, because we know the hope that we have in you, the future hope and the today hope. And so, Holy Spirit, we just say, have your way in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.